The reading of God's Word this morning comes from 1 Peter, chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. In the Pew Bible, that's page 1016. In the Following Jesus Bible, it's page 1336, if you'd like to follow along. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, Those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you have little ones, first grade and under, who'd like to go for children's worship, y'all could uh, go line up at the door. Miss Brittany and Miss Savannah will take you across the way. Y'all have a good time, guys. Well, where did we leave off last week? If you and I are each going to play our part in the redemption of St. Tammany Parish, if we're going to have an an impact on those people who are close to us but are far from God, we have two things to do. First, we have to promote the gospel with our way of life. People should look at our lives and see the impact of knowing Christ. But secondly, there comes a point where we're going to have to tell other people some objective truth about God, about faith, about Jesus. If we want to see redemption happening in our hometown, there comes a point where we're going to have to talk to people about Jesus. But how do we do that in a way that's not totally forced, artificial, and just, you know, socially bizarro? (laughs) Well, I can foresee three common scenarios in which you might tell an individual about Jesus. Three scenarios in your, your life today or tomorrow, where you could very naturally talk to somebody about Jesus. And the first of them is this, what I call conversing the faith. Now, this is something that I picked up. I didn't make up this phrase. I got it from a book called The Insider, which many of you have read by Jim Peterson and Mike Shamey. And they said, why? The way they define it is this, kind of informally talking about your faith, casually talking about your faith just as conversation is is going on, why would that ever happen? Like in what circumstance could you find yourself talking about Jesus at the gym or at work or in your neighborhood or when you're taking your kids to school in the morning? How does this just come up? Well, Peterson and Shamey said this, the Bible is filled with practical wisdom. It addresses relationship building, conflict resolution, how to handle stress, how to manage time and money, and on and on. And a one-liner crediting the scriptures as as the source of an idea we're discussing often communicates more to my non-Christian friends than do my best propositions about God. The more we understand how the gospel affects us in our daily affairs and relationships, and the more we learn to converse about this in everyday language, the easier it becomes to let people in on what it means to know God. You see what they're saying? The gospel of Jesus... The message that Jesus is Lord of all, that he has dealt with sin and death finally in his resurrection. The fact that Jesus is in charge, he he owns every square inch of creation, including every square inch of your life. 
The gospel speaks to everything in our lives. So the gospel is not just relevant to your spirituality. The gospel is not just relevant to Sunday morning. Jesus is Lord of everything, which means that his message is relevant to any conversation you're happening. And sometimes when you're having a conversation with a friend, it just makes sense to bring up God. It just makes sense to bring up matters of faith. How could it just make sense to be talking about Jesus at the water cooler or sitting in car line with your kids, right? These kinds of conversations often happen when you're talking to someone about like big life decisions or about how you spend your free time or about suffering in the world or in people's lives. If these topics come up, you have an open path to talk about the gospel. Let's think about it this way. Let's imagine you're not talking to a friend who doesn't know the Lord. You're talking to another Christian. You're talking to a member of this church or a close Christian friend or family member. It'd be supernatural, not supernatural, very natural (laughs) to talk to that person about matters of faith. If they're struggling with a big life decision, it's not weird to ask, have you prayed about that? It's not strange to say, well, actually, the Bible says this about the decision that you're making, right? Or if uh, you've got a friend who's struggling with something, a Christian friend, it's very natural for you to say, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you right now? Or to come back later and say, I've been praying for you. How's that situation going? Or you're talking about the war in Ukraine. I've talked to you guys about politics. I don't talk about it up here really at all, but there are a lot of big biblical issues that are raised in global politics. And with a Christian, I'm very comfortable talking about those things, right? So those conversations are really natural with a Christian friend. So here's the question. What if we were just consistent? And what if we aimed, it's not going to be easy at first, but what if we aimed to say the same things just as naturally in a conversation with another person? I mean, we say we believe this stuff. And you in your home and in your head are making decisions based upon what the scriptures say. So why not just offer that up? Here's what I'm getting at. Anytime these kinds of topics come up, you definitely have an opportunity right then to converse the gospel. Not to make a sales pitch for Jesus, but just to be open about your faith. To very naturally proclaim the excellency of God, as we talked about last week. So that's the most common opportunity, conversing the faith. It just kind of comes up in conversation. Here's what I think is the second most common opportunity you'll have to talk to somebody else about Jesus. And that's responding to others' questions about the faith. So in today's text, Peter is talking to first century Christians about not the possibility, but the the probability that they're going to be dragged into court for being a Christian. That they are going to be prosecuted for believing in Jesus, for saying Jesus is Lord rather than Caesar... And so he's trying to get them ready for that kind of heavy uh, public pressure. I'm not a pessimist. I don't think any of you guys are going to be dragged to the St. Tammany Justice Center anytime soon for believing in Jesus. But I think the principle that Peter teaches here applies to us in every scenario. Look, look at verse, uh, 1 Peter 3, verses 14 through 17 again. Peter says, Even if you should suffer... For righteousness' sake, you'll be blessed. 
Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So Peter tells us, be ready to give a defense to antagonizers, to people who think your belief system is hogwash, who want to prove you wrong. Be prepared to make a defense to them for the hope that you have. Well, I think it's a reasonable conclusion. If we should be ready for that interaction, then we should also be ready for from questions from people that are not antagonizers, right? Here's reality. If you've got kids or grandkids, they're going to ask you a question. Where we come from? Where are we going? Why is the world like it is? They're going to ask you the question, right? If you've got a friend who's close to you but is far from God, and they see the decisions you make and the choices you make, all these gospel-promoting actions we've been talking about for the last six weeks, they see these things in your life, there's going to come a point where they ask you a question. Any unbelieving friend or family member who knows you intimately, they're going to ask you a question someday, and you've got to be ready. But how could you possibly be ready? I mean, you don't even know what question they're going to ask you. Well, he doesn't say you have to be an expert on everything. That you have to be able to answer every question that is levied against you. That's not what he says in verse 15. Look again at what he says. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for what? A reason for the hope that is in you. The key question is this. Can you explain the hope that you have? Can you explain the simple truth of what God has done for you? That's what we have to be prepared to do, to give a reasonable response to questions about your faith. So what, why are you a Christian? What do you believe about Jesus? Why are you convinced? If you can't tell another person why you're convinced of the truth of the gospel, you're probably not a Christian. But if you're a Christian, if you trust Jesus, you can answer that question of what you believe and why you believe it. It may not be some huge, lofty, philosophical answer. It may not be elaborate or long. Peter says just answer respectfully and gently with what you know, with what you trust. And if somebody asks you a question you don't have the answer to, saying I don't know is really refreshing. It's always refreshing, but in 2023, it's especially Refreshing. Say, I don't know. Let me think about that. I'll, I'll get back to you. So what is your hope based on? You know what my hope is not based on? My hope is not based on whether the world was created in six literal days or through evolution. People like to ask that question. It's a good question. I even like to talk about it, and I have an answer. My hope's not rooted in that. If somebody were to prove to me somehow that my view was wrong, my hope's fine. I'm not losing any sleep over that. Likewise, how is the world going to end? Uh, I, I'm a post-millennialist. I'm like one guy out of all of you that probably is. If, if, if 
the, the premillennial dispensationalists are right, that's fine. Great. If Jesus wins, cool. My hope is not grounded in these kinds of arcane questions that like to get asked a lot of the time by my unbelieving friends. And quite frankly, my hope is not wrapped up in any political party or any person voting or running for office. You want to know what I believe? So if somebody asks me that question, I'll just tell them, listen, I don't really care what you think about creation. I don't care that much what you think about how everything's going to wrap up. I don't really care who you vote for. I care who you guys vote for in a lot of ways, and that's a different sermon. But with an unbelieving person, I don't care. What I want to know about them is, do they know why the resurrection of Jesus is a remarkably verifiable historical fact? That Jesus came back from the dead in the flesh, and that he is ruling and reigning over all things. That Jesus Christ died for sinners, that he was God in the flesh, he never sinned. These are the things where my hope lands. So you don't have to be able to answer every hard theological question that's out there. And when my unbelieving friends ask me these other questions, even though I could give them an answer, I dodge it. Because I want to get them to Jesus. The resurrected Christ is the heart and the center of our faith. And that's what you hope in already. You may not be a theologian, and that's okay. But you know Christ if you're a Christian. You trust Christ. He is the hope that we have. So when a question is asked, where, what do we want our kids to believe? We want to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for them, has a plan for them, came back from the dead, and they're going to see him one day. That's what we want everybody who is close to us for, but far from God to know. The other stuff is, I heard this years ago, Jesus cleans his fish after he catches them. All that other stuff that is important but is not central, we leave that to the Spirit. And we leave that to a long relationship with that person. So, I'll get back on, on, on track here. Two common conversations where you could be talking about matters of faith. One is conversing the faith. It just comes up in conversation. Second is responding to other people's questions. Well, here's the third one-on-one situation where I could first... Well, let me, before I get to that, notice these first two. Neither of them is evangelism. Neither of these is you scheming and plotting and trying to figure out a way to tell somebody else about Jesus. And both of these, I'm talking about people you know already. Evangelism is a calling that some people have to go and share the gospel with strangers and every person on the planet. That may not be you, and that's okay. Everyone is expected, though, to converse the faith at times. And to respond to people's questions when they're asked. This is something for every Christian, not just the evangelists. But here's the third kind of conversation that you could have this afternoon or tomorrow morning where you could talk to someone else about Jesus. And it's this. Following the Spirit's lead to invite someone to believe in Jesus. Now, this is the, the, the down and dirty, nitty-gritty, where you actually grow some Holy Spirit guts and ask a person you believe in Jesus? Have you ever considered that the faith that I have could be true? Now, that interaction, that conversation may seem miles away from your day-to-day -day reality. And I can assure you, it is not. You can have this conversation with an unbelieving friend or family member this afternoon or tomorrow morning. Well, how, how does that happen? Remember how we've been defining lostness in this series. 
A lost person is not just someone who doesn't believe in Jesus. It's someone who doesn't have repeated opportunities to see the gospel lived out, to hear the gospel, and repeated opportunities to respond to the gospel. Every weekend here, we're hustling and giving you opportunities to believe the gospel. Your friends don't have repeated opportunities for someone else to say, do you actually believe this? Have you thought about it? Have you considered it? And we have to be that opportunity for the people who are close to us but far from God. And how does it happen? First, this can happen in the context of conversing the gospel or answering a question. These other two conversations are happening and then something changes, wherein you say, well, what about you? Do you believe in this? Do you believe in Jesus too? How does that happen? Well, we should be eagerly watching for signs of the Holy Spirit uh, at work in our friend. So we're having a conversation, and we see openness to the gospel, or we see real curiosity or interest about the faith as we're talking to them, or we see in them a deep sense of need. They hear what you're saying of the gospel. They hear what Jesus offers. And you can tell just by looking at their face that they are being moved somehow. That could be the spirit at work. Peter says in verse 15 that when we're engaged in spiritual conversation, even if it's in a courtroom, we need to be gentle and respectful. What does that mean? It means that we're honoring the other person. We're seeing how they respond We're listening to what they say, and we respond to them. So if a person doesn't seem interested, they don't seem open to the gospel, they don't seem desirous, there's no need to push it. But if they seem curious, they're open to talk, they're interested, or they're in need, then it's completely appropriate to say something like, you know, I've believed in Jesus for a long time. Knowing Jesus has been a real encouragement to me, I've not been through the situation you're going through right now, but I've been through stuff like it. Do you know Jesus personally, or do you understand what he taught? I hope what you're hearing me say is just interact with people. Listen to them. Respond to them. Just have a conversation. Don't be a jerk, and see how the Holy Spirit leads it. If the Holy Spirit is stirring up something in them, it's okay to take one more step and ask a question. But how do we do that with our kids? How do we do that with our coworkers, with our neighbors, or even with a stranger? How do we ask that next question? How do we invite someone to believe in Jesus? Well, first, I think it's important to make sure that they've heard the gospel clearly. Even though we live in a post-Christian era, um, we still live in the South. It's a highly religious air about us. There's a lot of churches in St. Tammany. And there's a lot of religious talk, even among unbelievers. And what that means is most people in St. Tammany Parish think they've heard the gospel. They think they know the gospel when they don't. (laughs) At least they don't know it clearly. Maybe they know a very muddled version of the gospel. And so if I'm having a conversation with somebody about matters of faith or about Jesus, I cannot assume that they know anything about what I'm talking about. So I'm going to give you, you know, there's no blanks. It's just in your worship guide. I'm going to give you a couple questions that can help you when you're having a conversation like this to clarify the gospel for somebody. You could ask this, has anyone ever explained the message of Jesus to you in a way that made sense? 
They say yes or they say no. Would you mind if I explain my understanding of it? And if they say no, don't. <laughs> if they say, sure, go for it. Maybe you're talking about some trouble they have in their life. They're looking at some big problem in the world. You could say, well, you know, I haven't been through the same situation. I've had similar challenges. Can I share something with you that has really helped me? It's just asking a normal question in the context of conversation, and it doesn't have to be some kind of uncomfortable thing. Again, they can always say no. If you don't have a lot of friends that are not in the church, I know a lot of you guys, like, you retired, you moved here, you got connected with our church, and this is your family. These are your friends. And you don't hang out with a lot of unbelievers, and you watch TV, and you see things on the news, and you think that unbelievers just don't like these conversations. I tell you, I love living in a post-Christian environment. I lived in Boston for a while. I loved it up there because people, any ideas, open to consideration. So people like to talk about this stuff. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised uh, how much people actually do want to kind of banter back and forth uh, about what you believe. There's nothing magic about these two questions. You could come up with something yourself. These are just a couple that I like. But we want to get to the point in a conversation where we can explicitly, clearly share the gospel with somebody else. They may have never heard the gospel presented clearly to them before. So ask the question. And if they're willing to hear the gospel, give it to them. Just share it with them. And you may think, well, I don't know that I can do it clearly. Come back next Sunday. Next Sunday's sermon is called, What is the Gospel? I'm going to try my best to communicate the gospel very clearly in a way that you could take it home. And you could share it just as clearly with your friends and family. Right now, we're just kind of looking at these conversations from a 10,000-foot view just to see the lay of the land. So, then you've asked the question. You've shared the gospel with them clearly. They have heard it. What happens next? So, once you've expressed the gospel clearly, then ask them what barriers or obstacles might keep them from believing the gospel. This is what I believe about Jesus. What questions do you have about that? Or what would keep you from believing the same thing, right? This kind of invitation is wonderful because it continues the conversation. You're not saying, here's the gospel, believe it. No. What questions do you have? What about that seems wild? What that does is it treats your friend with gentleness and respect without being pushy, and usually people will respond with other questions. Or they'll respond with concerns. They might say, I don't know. I've never heard it put that way before. That's not what I heard in church growing up. I need to think about it. And if they say that, great. That's an invitation to continue this conversation later. But the conversation is not over. It goes onward. But what happens if you ask a question like this and they say, I don't know. That makes a lot of sense. I've never thought about it that way, but I, I can't think of any barriers or obstacles that would keep me from believing what you believe. What do you do then? If the Spirit seems to be opening their interest to the gospel, you can ask them something like this. If you feel like you understand the message of Jesus and you don't have any obstacles that would keep you from believing it, do you believe in Jesus? It sounds like you might. <laughs> this is almost verbatim what Paul says to King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26. It's really funny. Paul, you go read it later. Paul tells uh, Agrippa, he said, uh, it sounds like you believe the prophets. Do you believe? And Gr- Agrippa says, you really think you're going to convince me that quickly? And then he calls him back later to talk to him more, more about the gospel. But it's just asking the question. Again, this is going to sound different. 
depending on whom you're talking to. But if a person seems open and interested in the gospel, there's no harm in asking the question. It sounds like you believe in Jesus. Are you a a Christ follower too? They may say no. They may say they need to think about it more. But they may also say, you know what? I do believe in the message of Jesus. Maybe I don't understand the whole Bible, but I believe this, that Jesus came back from the dead and he died for me. The key is to be engaged with them, to be gentle, to be respectful, to see and watch what the Holy Spirit is doing in the moment and not be afraid to ask simple, honest questions. So pay attention to the spirits working, ask good questions, and don't be a preacher and just fill the air with a 30-minute monologue. No, listen, engage, and ask. Now, the picture that I've just painted of this kind of a conversation may, again, seem impossible to you. I find it helpful personally, as someone who doesn't feel like the best evangelist, I find it helpful to have these questions in my back pocket so I can know the kinds of things to ask. And like with my kids, I have found that the more I do it, the more I realize it was natural and the major obstacle to having these conversations with me. I was just too nervous about having these conversations and asking these questions. And these questions kind of helped get me unstuck and move me forward. So I'm not trying to prescribe, like, this is what you should do or what you have to do. This is just what's been helpful to me. Because Peter tells us to be prepared. And sharing the gospel with someone does take preparation. It takes work beforehand. It also takes work uh, afterward. So these kinds of conversations take work uh, beforehand. If you're not prepared to answer the hope that you have, if you're not prepared to converse the faith in some way, if you're not prepared to share the gospel, at least very simply, you're going to get caught with your pants down. Peter tells us that. So how do we prepare uh, for these kinds of conversations? First, pray. Pray not only for specific people and interactions, but also just pray generally for God to give you opportunities for the gospel. You know, several weeks ago we did, Mary Francis mentioned it, our Oikos map. It was like a little graph. You had yourself in the middle, and you wrote on here all the people who are close to you but far from God. Um, If you're going to be spending time with those people this weekend or sometime this week or families coming to town and they don't know Jesus, be praying for that. Be praying for those interactions. Ask God to give you an opportunity for the gospel. But usually these kinds of conversations happen rather spontaneously, and you can't plan on it. So I think it's healthy and helpful for us to always be praying for God to give us opportunities for the gospel wherever we are uh, throughout the week. So pray, pray, pray for God to give you opportunities for the gospel. That's one way to be prepared for these interactions. Here's a second way to prepare. You don't need to be an expert on the Bible, but you do need to know what you believe and why. Well, what does that look like? It might just mean being generally acquainted with the gospel and with the scriptures. That's why we do Sunday school. You want to get grounded in the basics of the faith? You want to know kind of how to grow? Come to Sunday school here at Faith. That's why we do it, to kind of give you some some greater foundation for your faith. Come worship each week. We're mutually encouraging each other and helping us know what we believe. But here are some more specific tools that are helpful. It helps to be able and prepared to share your story of saving faith. Also, maybe the story of Jesus' life and ministry or a short summary of the gospel. It's like, can you tell another person in three minutes or less why and how you became a Christian? That's a really helpful tool to have at your disposal. Um, Or do you feel like you could sum up in a few bullet points 
why Jesus came, what he did, and what he taught. That's a good tool to have in your toolbox. Can you express the gospel succinctly and clearly? Again, that's what we're going to work on next week. Um, The bottom line is this. We need to be able to give a clear explanation for the hope that we have. So if you can't do these things yet, just do it. (laughs) Sit down this afternoon, take out a piece of paper, write down your story on one page of how you became a Christian. Or write down on one piece of paper your basic understanding of what Jesus came and did and, and said. It's that simple. You just have to do a little preparation beforehand. So sharing the gospel with someone does take some work beforehand. There's no need for elaborate plans or gimmicks. Simply pray for opportunities and know what you believe and why. But these conversations also take work afterward. The goal is not to have one conversation and be done. To tell somebody about Jesus, say, whew, I did it. I don't have to feel bad anymore. I can move on with my life. No, we want the glory of Jesus to be the central thing in our life, which means we want the name of Jesus and the good news of Jesus to be often brought up in conversation. We want the glory of Jesus to shine in and through us and in and through all of his people. So one conversation is never the end. It's just the beginning. So what work can we experience or can we expect after one of these conversations. Well, first, continue to pray because this is God's work. Second, follow up and offer yourself if a person is interested to explore the faith further. And if a person does make a profession of faith, they say, you know, I do, I do believe in this. Then show them the path of discipleship that you have walked. Tell them what's been helpful to you so that you could grow as a Christian. So the desire is not to have one conversation and be done. The goal is not even to convert our family and friends. Our desire is the glory of Christ being spread through our life at all times. So each of these activities should be in our minds after uh, these conversations. And if you need help with any of this, like any of the stuff, I know this a lot. We're kind of getting to the end of our sermon series, coming to a culmination. And if you're visiting with us or you weren't here for those other sermons, you might think, holy cow, I came on the wrong, wrong Sunday. I'm here. This is my job is to help equip you for these kinds of conversations with your kids, with your friends, with your family members, your neighbors. This is our elders' jobs, too. And, and they're not pastors. They, they have jobs, and they know the pressures of being out in the workplace, and they know how to practically help you on this sort of thing. So we are here available to us. Let us know how we can help you be prepared beforehand or after one of these conversations. So how can you expect to tell somebody else about God? In what scenarios can you expect to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus? Well, in conversing the faith, in answering others' questions, and even in inviting them to trust Jesus. But these conversations take preparation beforehand, and they take some work afterward as well. So let's close with this. This week, today, you might have an opportunity for this kind of conversation. So if so, what preparatory work do you need to do now to get ready? How do you need to be praying this week? And how do you need to think through a way to communicate the hope uh, that you have? Write something down. If you don't know how to communicate the gospel clearly, I invite you to come back next week as we close our sermon series with a model for how to explain the gospel clearly uh, to our friends and family. Let's pray. Father, we want everybody in St. Tammany Parish to have regular opportunities to see the gospel lived out, to hear the gospel spoken, and 
have repeated opportunities to respond to the gospel. And we expect that they're not just going to show up at church one day and this is going to happen. It has to be through us. We are the church, even as we go. So, Holy Spirit, help us to get ready, however each of us needs to get ready, for these conversations. And we ask, I ask, that some of us here today, I'd be fine if it was all of us, but at least some of us, would have some of these conversations this week. Maybe they'd be surprised when it comes up. But Lord, give us opportunities to speak openly of Jesus, to share our faith, and to just have a conversation with the people that we love, the people who are close to us, who are far from God, and that the glory of Jesus would shine uh, in and through our words. This we pray.